0: Welcome to UUCSW Reflections. I'm your host, Amanda Hall, here with Rev. Laurel Gray. This is the monthly episode of this podcast where we reflect on recent sermon themes and answer questions from the congregation. If you'd like to submit a question, please email it to podcasts at uucsw.org. Be sure to say which sermon your question is about. And Don't worry, we won't share the names or identifying information about question askers on this podcast. October's theme is listening, and in this episode, we'll be discussing the sermons The Color of Leaves and How to Listen, both of which can be found in this podcast feed. Hello,
1: Laurel. Hi, we're back at it. How are you? Good. I feel like it's been 12 years since our last podcast. At least 12, (laughs) if not,
0: dare I say 13? Decades. (laughs) Decades. um we have a president-elect we do now, since then we do
1: I know a thing happened <laughs>
0: um how's your spirit
1: oh that's what I normally ask you
0: I know um, it was so it was so great last time if you term
1: tables <laughs> you're learning you. my tactics I am. um my spirit as we said earlier feels like a fish flopping on a shore <laughs> uh-huh and just this like I feel like what I've been hearing from so many people, in like congregants and friends and family and colleagues alike, is that everyone's sort of in this, like, it feels like a wet noodle now that the election mm-hmm. stress is sort of, at least in a lot of ways, behind us. And, and I've been hearing, too, a lot from people, and I experienced this, how once this, like, very poignant anxiety of election week dissipated, um, because the, right, the counting was over. Below that, there is sort of everything else that you could feel. Yeah. And, and I found especially listening to Biden and Harris's speeches and hearing people tell the truth about what's been going on, especially with COVID, that the sort of like magnitude and grief of it hit me more. Yeah. Um, because there's been so much like denial and mixed messages and all these things coming from different parts of government and so i was both relieved and i'm still relieved and and there's this sort of reality check on the last year's been rough right like we are and we're still in the place of covid numbers are rising um and winter is going to be hard and so, and so, my spirit is both feels relieved and feels a little bit like a deflated balloon. To use many yeah. metaphors, <laughs> from fish to noodles to balloons, you know. I'm just a deflated
0: balloon boiling in a pot with a noodle on the beach. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> but I, and I, I think that's. Um, I don't know. I think it's really real and good to acknowledge because there, so many people have this sense of relief that. There's a candidate who's been elected who is much more more proactively in favor of preserving people's rights um, yeah. and is is much less, I don't know, contrarian and and prone to saying things that that cause real harm and division. And so there's so much relief in that. But then there's also this sort of heaviness of it's been really hard. It's been really hard for a lot of people um and as one of my my dear friends and colleagues said she feels like her spirit hasn't caught up yet um mm. and so it's there's both this joy and this relief and this sense of like wow right we've we've yeah. been through through a lot um so yeah i feel that and i have i mean i have to
0: imagine that like so one of the things that i heard you say was we're sort of facing reality as a nation because, like, our president-elect is facing reality and being straightforward about the way things actually are. Yeah. I have to imagine that not doing that was part of the comfort that Trump brought some people. Yes. Um, Oh, for sure. Like, that absolute, complete, fictional reality that he built that is a better place to be.
1: (laughs) yeah mentally right.
0: if you're really overwhelmed by yeah. the pain and he's like all your most toxic defense mechanisms made person <laughs> like
1: yeah he's right. he's Bolitoring, denial people denying <laughs> yeah. things pretending they're not real blaming yeah. right those are all ways of getting out of discomfort um and, and they're defensive. And dealing with hard I mean, they, things, right? they are. You're—you're de- you're right. They're defense mechanisms. And
0: for a little while, they can kind of keep those really hard things at an emotional distance for you. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah,
0: that stuff comes up when you're in some kind of really serious pain and period of fear. Yeah. Um, and so I think, uh, I think it's really horrible that we're in a situation that. Has caused people to need those defenses so badly, yeah. And I think it's really unfortunate that there was this person who I consider to have been very predatory about those fears yeah. to use them to ascend to power in a way that's really um, terrifying. with Right, them. And destructive. Yeah. Yeah, very destructive. Destructive,
1: but well, you and know. and all these things run really deep, right? These are yeah. this is like Trump is not an anomaly, and I think. I think one of the sort of helpful things about the election is that it's really obvious how much whiteness and white supremacy is so yeah. infused in all of it. We we were talking about this in the racial justice committee meeting yesterday and the idea that so many people who vote for Trump are actually voting against their own interests, but in a in a culture and a country where the fact of your mattering is dependent on your whiteness it's a thing Mm. that people will fight to the death for right will not give up and that that runs really deep in history right like the reason that white sharecropping was invented as a category was that poor white farmers and enslaved people and formerly enslaved people started working together against sort of the powers that be that were keeping them so impoverished. And that was a threat to the status quo. And so there were these different categories created that made those white people feel like at least they weren't the worst, right? At least they weren't the mm-hmm. lowest of the low. And it was an intentional tactic to prevent um, what became sharecroppers like the, that were poor white farmers and formerly enslaved Africans from cooperating, right? Because that was a threat to the status quo. And you see that now where there's so many like poor white Americans now that support Trump, even though his policies in no way work in their favor. But if the foundation of your very being and your worth and your place in this country is built on this notion of whiteness, that's not a thing you're going to let go of. And and yeah. to me, honestly, that's really sad and scary and dangerous, and it reminds me how potent our principles are, and the idea that everyone has inherent worth completely flies in the face of the idea that whiteness is what makes you count. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's one of the things that I've really been been thinking about. Um, in in sort of seeing. This like hell bent commitment to Trump on the part of people who are put at risk by his policies. Um, yeah. So. Well, I think another aspect of that
0: too. So that that concept of people voting against their interests. Mm-hmm. I think there are two ways to look at that. Two ways to reconcile that sort of confusing. Um, like contradictory seemingly contradictory action yeah one of them is there is like the basis of like classical economics is built on like a rational individual actor like the liberal subject is like a concept of a human that is I think, not hyper-accurate and just yeah, not taken into account. humans are not <laughs> rational. No, they're not. Like, I mean, it's... <laughs> we and are, so that's we like, are not. Right. <laughs> but also, like, I think a really big part of why that is such a problem um, yeah. when it comes to trying to understand human behavior is that, like, it reduces human need to yeah. things that can be um, captured in a market. And I think... Oh, interesting. The need, like... So the other way to look at this is that person, if you look at all of the things that actually comprise their psychological self-interest, is voting in exactly their self-interest. Right, because because, they need to feel
1: like they belong and they matter. Right, right, Everybody fundamentally needs to feel like they belong.
0: And for some reason, that need is being addressed and met by the messaging or maybe one or some of the policies or you know going along with that fosters the feeling of belonging with your group or something there's something that yeah cognitively emotionally spiritually whatever it it may be yeah is like some is in their interest in some way um
1: Yeah. yeah it's complicated and I think it's it's helpful to to sort of like even having this conversation undermines this sort of idea that people who vote for trump are just like monsters or they're just stupid right there are these yeah, things that are like it's humanizing. really right it's dehumanizing to say those things and to have this conversation that's like you know they're like everybody fundamentally needs to feel like they belong um and there are ways that trump's messaging does in fact make some people feel like they belong it just happens to do incredible violence to others Um, Right.
0: And I I think that there's like, there's something profoundly you you about thinking about the fact that humans, if you go fundamentally enough, have the same needs. It's just that our needs can get met in different ways depending on how we've learned to meet them. What we've learned makes us feel like belonging, makes us feel worth. Right. Um, And so it's not that like, we all operate differently. It's that we operate the same, but we got put in different places. Yeah. Or, you know, from yeah. this, we can operate from the same principles fundamentally. Yeah. Um, And I think that actually, to start talking about serving, yeah. which this podcast <laughs> is sometimes about. Yes, um, sometimes. <laughs> I think that is a really, that has a lot of, like, a very parallel relationship to transcendentalism those moments yeah. of transcendence that yes. yeah um, as you've said Unitarians are allergic to calling spiritual Somet- yeah um. sometimes there's this like
1: we we have a hard time with these things that like people who are theists would call spiritual experiences right or um, like feeling the hand of God right like there are all these different kinds of weight words that people put around this experience of sort of profound connectedness, um, that transcends their particular personhood. And I think part of my hope in writing that sermon was that I don't, I don't want us to get so hung up on language and words that we miss this experience and forget that it's actually deeply a part of our religious lineage, right? Mm. Um, that those transcendent experiences are not held by certain people, right? Like I, as the minister, I'm not the controller of transcendent experiences. Like, thank goodness. I do not want that job. Um, And like, they're not even bound to um, like religious texts. This sort of, it's a very old Unitarian idea that we experience these moments of awe and wonder and sort of out of bodiness in a positive way. I mean that not in like a um, dissociative way, but, but these sort of moments of, of wonder can be experienced in so many different kinds of ways. Um, And I think we do our spirits a disservice if we, if we don't open ourselves to that possibility.
0: It's funny because as you are talking about this, I was thinking about moments that I felt that Mm -hmm. and, I feel embarrassed to say them out loud because they sound hacky and huh. cliche.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I wonder how much of that is emotional distance that I'm trying to create from them. Like huh. um, yeah. defensiveness, you know. Um, right. Because that's a really vulnerable thing to say. Like, totally. When you have felt bigger than yourself. And also maybe some of that is like the uu allergy to spiritualism. Yes. <laughs> that like I think of myself as a very science-based rational yes. person and that is in has been set up as diametrically opposed to feeling and being open to experiences that are um can often be described as spiritual or somehow like yes. bigger than yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and this is this is again part of the sort of white supremacy culture of objectivity as the as the only thing right and reason as the only way of the only source of knowledge um and there are all these different ways of knowing right and and there is like intuitive knowing and there's embodied knowing and there are all these different ways of tapping into our experience and our um sort of sense of the world um and if we're focusing only on reason, it makes those other things silly, right? Um, but that actually is a way of dismissing other other ways of knowing. Like if you think about indigenous ways of knowing, so much of it is about this more intuitive, embodied, interconnected way of being. And I will say, I I also, growing up you had this like, ooh, spiritual experiences, like what? Um, and it was, It was really powerful and helpful going to um, a Christian divinity school because my peers in school were so comfortable talking about, like, the spirit is moving, right? And sort of acknowledging, putting words to this, like, we're feeling some kind of transcendence now or like we're noticing some kind of serendipity. There was this openness to notice the sort of moments of magic that are totally beyond reason. Right. Like you can't. I don't know, it's it falls outside of this very Western um, head based way of knowing. And it was so liberating to have all these people willing to name this thing in this like joyful, playful sort of engaged way that made me much more open to noticing like all of these moments of serendipity or beauty or awe that just like feel like magic. And so I'm my hope in writing that sermon was to to remind you use that like we have a place in this history of noticing that kind of magic um and we don't need to be afraid of I don't know like putting too like overly theistic language around it that people might find uncomfortable but we've always we've always had this kind of intentionality and attention as part of our tradition
0: that's really interesting a word that's coming to mind for me is earnestness yeah I think that's a little bit but i think that's part of where the embarrassment is coming from like totally it's embarrassing to be so earnest yeah
1: because it's so <laughs> not tender. a hint
0: of irony at yeah there's all. no
1: irony right right which actually yeah. feels really really vulnerable which is where like scoffing or or sort of like eye rolling like those are all ways of there's sort of defensiveness right of like I don't want to go there and so this question of listening is sort of like how do you drop the guards so we can tap into this kind of tenderness that's available if we notice it yeah
0: so your amplify and undermine themes for this month were deep listening amplify and undermine defensiveness is yes. that right
1: yeah yeah.
0: Can you just talk a little bit about how those relate to each Go other together. and to yeah. some of the things you were talking about?
1: Yeah. So I think if we're being defensive, we're not listening. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, in very simple terms, listening requires a kind of openness that is, I think, the opposite of this sort of trying to protect and defend. And because listening is about connecting, right? It's about like, I'm receiving your story. Um, and I'm making space for your experience in my own, I don't know, like sense of the world, Mm -hmm. um, what can
0: be true, which is the
1: opposite, right? Like I'm making space for the fact that your experience is possible. That inherently is sort of an olive branch, right? Like that inherently is a gesture towards connection and openness and defensiveness is the opposite defensiveness, right? Is this like, I don't want to know, like maybe only my reality is real and i'm i'm not going to have that be challenged or diversified or whatever by the fact that your experience might also be true and we know that right defensiveness is is one of these things about white supremacy culture which is just sort of like aka normal american culture because listening is a thing that we we rarely do right And I remember when I was when I was doing my hospital chaplaincy, it was honestly confusing at first because listening is a very passive thing in some ways. Right. Because listening requires like you're not you're not talking back, you're not debating, you're not engaging. Um, If anything, you're you're just reflecting what the person is saying to you to make sure that you're staying connected. And it was. It was confusing to me because in this culture that we live in that's, like, very um, focused on being active, the idea of just, like, openly receiving somebody's story to me didn't feel like you were doing anything, right? It was sort of like, is that, Mm -hmm. like, that's it? (laughs) It sort of had this, like, you're. We're not supposed to do more than that,
0: yeah. In a very utilitarian, like, how am I being useful? What am right, I right, right? Like, what's my
1: role in the machine? If that's how you look at value, right? Like, yeah. But in reality, how often in life are we actually listened to? And especially in moments of really deep pain, or in moments of confusion, or sort of crisis, to sit and be open with that reality with with another person is a really hard thing to do. And that's I think part of why it's so rare. And so simply to sit and to listen to somebody is actually a profound gift. Paradoxically, even though you're not like quote unquote doing anything. And and so it's hard to listen it's hard to learn to do. Because we have to we have to like sort of let go of all these defensive impulses to fix or to console or all of those things. Yeah. This timing was really funny,
0: but um there's there's a podcast I listen to called Ear Hustle Ooh. and ear hustling is uh slang for eavesdropping in prison. <laughs> cool. Um, huh. it, it, Cuz it's yeah, it's so the The premise of the podcast is the the two producers of it, one of them is incarcerated in San Quentin State Prison, Mm -hmm. and the other one is a longtime prison volunteer. And their their most recent episode was called Are You Listening? Oh. And it was about uh, relationships between children and their incarcerated parents, which is a very hard subject to hear about. I mean, it's incredibly painful.
1: Yeah.
0: And one segment in this episode was – they went to a place where there were instances of deep listening that I have never heard hmm. as masterfully done ever oh. in my life. It was – it's it's kind of a retreat for young people whose parents are incarcerated to just be together. That's amazing. Sort of because they can relate to each other right. very differently than other people can. And this one – young woman she shared some a very painful part of her experience you know some thoughts that she had about her relationship with her father and the way that her friend in the circle listened to her Mm -hmm. first it was like you said silence she had complete uninterrupted silence to say exactly what she wanted to say everything that came to mind there was no expectation of A cohesive narrative, you know, (laughs) however her feelings came out was how they were received silently. And then after that, her friend said back to her, you know, I really want to be with you in this moment. And, you know, I see how you just said all of that and just said all these really hard things and brought them out with you. And here's what I heard you say. And I just think that was amazing how you were able to say that, you know, and it it was just... I, like that skill set, when I when I think about ways that we can move forward to a world that doesn't depend on caging people to deal with harm, yeah. when I think about how we move towards a, a system of regenerative communication yeah. and relating to one another, I really think about some of the skills that we need right. as a society right. to really engage with painful things in that way rather than throwing people away. Yes. And that kind of active listening and hearing and openness to vulnerability and the pain that other people feel. Right. That is a skill set that is essential to that. And I think it's underemphasized yes. in the kinds of emotional intelligence that we're taught.
1: Exactly. Right. Yes, amen yeah. to all of that. And that's where <laughs> um, I I so deeply um, believe that religious communities are part of the place where we like stretch our spirits, right? And stretch our capacity, yeah. right? That's why they're called spiritual practices. It's sort of this like things that we work at that are about this, this kind of connection that is beyond this sort of just headiness. And that's where, I mean, honestly, part of the... The the pods that we set up for the church for this year, where everybody's grouped into small groups of people in the congregation, and then we ask that they meet once a month and do this deep listening circle, um, where it's there are a couple of different sort of prompts that you can share about, and everybody goes around the circle once and has time un- uninterrupted to share. And then the second round, they go around the circle, and everyone has a chance to Thank somebody else for what they shared and and sort of express what it what it moved for them. And it's it's really hard, right? Like this is a practice because this isn't really how society works, right? We're not taught to listen and we're not taught to sit in discomfort and we're not taught to sit with people's grief and just be present to it. And so my hope in in talking about these kinds of issues and, and trying to build in ways of practicing them is is that as a religious community, we can start sort of building those skills for a more regenerative and liberative world. Um, Because I think you're absolutely right. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. I mean, (laughs) we have a lot of practice to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Any chance to do that is great. Yeah. There was something that we were talking about, though. Again, a lot of the pushback that can come up is, do I have to?
1: Yes, yes.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, that I think, I'm curious why this happens. I I would be really curious to hear what you think about how this translation mistake happens a Mm -hmm. lot. How what gets said is doing this kind of vulnerable act is conducive to connection. And what gets heard is I'm not allowed to have any boundaries. Yes. You know, I, yes. I, I'm not totally sure yep. how that communication that you're
1: required to listen. Yeah.
0: I'm not sure how that happens. Um, but I'm curious to hear you, you know, make that distinction and yep. also maybe where you think that miscommunication might come from.
1: So I think that listening and truth telling and vulnerability are all places where connection is born. And they're sort of like, connection is an inherently good and life-giving thing. And that does not mean that every person is obligated to connect with every other person, right? It's not a mandate. And I mean, we talked about this in the spring in one of the podcasts that you can't coerce connection, right, there's no forcing connection to happen because that inherently overrides the sort of tenderness that you need because you have to willingly walk into the place of being heard and having your story received. And I think any like everything requires consent. And so if someone is being sort of forced to listen, like that simply the whole thing has been sullied in the first place, right? Like it has to be voluntary and it has to be people willingly entering into that space. That that place of what we called tenderness and power, right? When we were talking about this in the spring. yeah. And I think listening and being heard is distinctly a thing of tenderness and power. And so I think the question is, who can you do that with? And how do we build the muscle so we're more capable of doing it? But that doesn't mean that you're mandated to go and... Right. Try to tell the person to tell the truth to the person who's hurt you the most in life. I don't know. Is that am I sort of getting towards what you're, yeah. you're wondering about? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I also think it speaks a little bit to like we talked about this in the there's no coercing connection episode yeah. a lot that if you come to someone with your vulnerability and say, look at me, I am doing this incredible act of giving you this vulnerability and trying to enter the space of connection with you and I just don't feel like I'm getting it back and Mm -hmm. that's painful and you're the problem
1: yep yeah
0: (laughs) um I think that is you know half of an understanding <laughs> of something like it's understanding the part that you have to play in right. the vulnerability but it's not understanding the consent aspect of it that that connection is has to come from both sides and so right. like getting your feelings hurt when you feel like you know we're just not talking to each other and I'm trying to listen to you and yeah why aren't you reciprocating in in the manner and at the time and in the place and in the way that I want?
1: Yeah. And so I, I would say in that it sounds like one person is not listening and it's the person who's trying to be heard, right? Because in that sort of dynamic, the person who's not engaging is saying like something in their reality, they're expressing this doesn't work for me, right? And yeah. I'm I'm not prepared or interested in going into this place with you and that can be a really hard truth to hear but that is not a wholesale denial that someone deserves to be heard it's just that like that's not the right match um yeah and so i think part of this part of this practice of listening is really figuring out who are the people where i can like engage in this sincerely and like what are the places. That allow me to do this because it's not it's not a thing you go around doing everywhere with everyone um, which is why yeah. those moments right when you feel profoundly and deeply heard why those moments are so profound
0: well i wonder if also that understanding of you know if someone is sort of shutting you down and not engaging with you they're still talking they're still yes. telling you something yes you can still listen right <laughs> and You know, what you might hear is in that moment is probably you don't care about me. Right. (laughs) But what the person is saying with their silence is for whatever reason, I am not ready to meet you here and I'm not consenting to this. Yeah. And those are not. At all the same thing. Right, right. Um, And that person is not saying, I don't care about your feelings and I can never engage with you on them. What they're saying is there's something here that doesn't feel emotionally safe to me right now.
1: Yeah.
0: And when that's what you hear, then, you know, you can be open to the possibility of having that listen, like that listening experience happen potentially in a different setting or at another time, potentially. Um, Like you don't have to write off that person that relationship or right. like their capacity to listen right you just need to hear what they're saying or you know they're they're still communicating with you right even and if people what get to have boundaries is, I'm shut down yeah yeah like boundaries
1: yeah. are a good and sacred thing and you can't have connection without clear boundaries um right and so like when someone says no to you that's actually i would say a blessing right because it's clarifying. Oh my gosh. I
0: totally agree.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. Right, right. And sometimes silence means no. Um, right. And that's, I think it would be worse to have someone override that impulse in themselves because then you can't connect at all, right? If you're showing up yeah. falsely because you don't want to be there and you're not ready to listen. Um, it's more. But you feel
0: like you're supposed to be right. ready it's to listen. It's more
1: honest to say, I'm... I'm not willing to have this conversation, right? Like that's, that's actual truth telling. Um, yeah. But I think a lot of times people don't want to hear that truth. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> this is something Lis- that right, I right Again, I, listening is hard. I have trouble with that. Yeah. yeah. When someone else says to you, like the honest thing is that I don't want to be in this place with you, but at the same time. I take it
0: really personally. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. But, but it's not that kind of. Honesty isn't really about you. It's about like the space between two people and if it does or does not work, which gives you the freedom to find a connection with someone that does work. Um, Yeah. But being vulnerable is hard and feeling rejected is painful. Right. And all of those things, which is why this risk of being of asking to be heard is dicey. Right. And it's easier just to not. Yeah. And then I mean, the defensiveness that it. Right. triggers (laughs) right like that all of those things are defensiveness and they're all things that prevent actual connection oh man (laughs) jeez
0: (laughs) i feel like i i don't know this is like these conversations are like a soul massage or something yeah and then you need to drink a lot of (laughs)
1: water afterwards and take a yeah like all of
0: these toxins flowing out yeah i have to flush out like spiritual work
1: is hard (laughs) and it's so good Uh, and and i think relieving but at the same time like it is really hard to think about these things um yeah and there's a reason why we avoid them and we sort of hide behind hide behind our reasonableness A 100 percent yeah I mean, there's, I think
0: people are so sick of hearing, you know, we're so divided and we just need to come together because that feels vacant and denying of pain that's happened between people. Like, it feels so dismissive. Yes. And it says, you're not supposed to feel hurt anymore.
1: Right. Shake hands. Right. Right. Um, Or the boundaries that you need to set with the people who've done you harm are you being You being, like... Unreasonable. Yeah, or defensive, or, like, causing the angst, right? No. Yeah, you're being divisive. Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: And so I think to reframe the concept of listening in that way is really important, because I know I am sick to death of this empty... Calls for unity. Now we we just need to just forget everything that happened and come together. I mean, it's the same thing with original sin of this country being yeah. based on, you know, slavery. Yeah. Like until we have a real reckoning, like transformative, yeah. like restorative restorative justice requires truth telling right. first. I mean, right. you have to start from that place. And the constant denial that white America is yeah fed and perpetuates i mean it's just yeah i mean we we have to we have to have to tell the truth right to move past it i mean it doesn't matter how many years happen yeah between now and when slavery was technically outlawed i mean it really without that truth telling as the start i mean we
1: yeah we just can't like then unity is sort of a fake thing right because unity is to say like there's something about all of of oppression right that is inherently um connected right like to the idea of unity itself like in a true form is to say i would say that that we're all human right like the thing that binds us together as people is the fact that we are all human and equally so Right. And you can't get to that place unless you acknowledge Mm -hmm. that the foundation of our culture is this idea that actually only some people are human. Right. Right. Like you can't. Those things are diametrically opposed. And I think unity is is often a word that's used to really mean, like, be nice and be quiet and don't tell the truth. Um, and don't question the status quo. but right, as we've been saying, like you can't have real connection unless you tell the truth um, and unless people willingly come to the truth together. And I think that's sort of we've been talking about this as like an individual spiritual practice, but I think collectively right. as a country, like this is a lesson we need to learn and a skill we need to learn um And I think on both sides, right like liberals saying that, conservatives or trump supporters are monsters or aren't human like that's not getting us any closer right that's just flipping the script um which is tough yeah i think right i think a big
0: difference here that we're starting to approach is we've sort of been talking about you know consent between two people is undermined when there's a power differential yes. right like yeah. that's one of the reasons that like drunk people can't consent yeah. you know what i right. mean to right. sexual activity or whatever yep. you know exactly like a fundamental piece of consent is removing power differentials being an approximately a similar yeah. um like power yeah um, right
1: because power is coercive right so if there's coercion yeah. involved then like then there's no true consent
0: Right. And so when you're talking about listening between, you know, entire marginalized groups and privileged groups, that listening has to look different. Yeah. um, In a way that I'm, I am not quite ready to articulate yet. This is, I really
1: like that you're, you're sort of getting close to this idea and thinking about it. And and I think this yeah. is to me what you're you're describing is born out in this idea that like it's not black people's job to teach white people about racism. Um right. Which I think is that kind of like no, right? Like there's a power differential here and like I do not owe you, right? Like on the on the from the perspective of a person of color or a black person, right? Like that is not owed. Like you can't require that of us. Um, right, which I think is where we have this idea that like whiteness and white supremacy is white people's problem, right? And it is the thing that we need to to learn how to, how to address with each other in this sort of equal equal power dynamic, because then maybe you can have an honest conversation that is not coercive. Right. That's I quite think... a thing to think about. You make yeah, a good point. it really
0: is because. I think that's part of what is hard for me about the "let's just come together" messaging. Yeah, is that it's saying we just have to listen to and respect each other. When <laughs> that listening and respect coming from a like when when you put it in the in yeah. the context and framing of consent, it really illuminates why you're asking different things. Yeah, when you're asking the same thing of everybody. Yeah, like when you're asking everyone to just come together and listen, you're asking something different of the people in the powerful situation and the people who've been harmed. I mean, when you're saying the same thing to those two groups, you're saying different things. Yeah,
1: it means different things. The implications are very different. Yeah, you make a really good point. And and to me, that's sort of the idea of like to sort of – to put it in a a more um, like one-to-one personal power differential dynamic that sort of like would you – to To say someone who's been abused by a person in power um, in, like, an individual relationship, would you say that, like, they just really have to come together and listen to each other? Like, it's sort of obvious that that's, like, what? Like, that's... But on the other hand, part of restorative justice
0: and, like, there are ways, there are methods in which victims come together in very deep listening conversation and connection with the people who have done harm to them. Yeah. But that is in, first of all, that has to be, has to be on the victim's terms. Yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And is very, you know,
1: has to be very
0: carefully facilitated. um, Right. And has to be for the healing of the victim. You know what I mean? Right.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: Has to center their needs. Right. So it's not that. It's not that deep listening can't can't happen happen, between those parties. It's that you have to be explicitly intentional about laying out what those dynamics are and how you're going to accommodate around them to create conditions that can allow for consent.
1: Right. And I think I think we're getting to a a good point, which is essentially that deep listening cannot be forced.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. And it can't be required. And there's a lot of of different ways. Yeah.
0: And there's a lot of different ways that force can look.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And anything that sort of really is doing the work of minimizing, or not minimizing, but anything that's doing the work of obscuring harm is not listening. Right? Like that's lying. That's not truth-telling, even if it calls itself unity. Right? Again, to go back to our point of, the words that we try to put around things can be misleading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so true. let's not get hung up on them. But like words hopefully can help us like, I don't know, understand each other. But we need to be clear about what's what's really underneath them.
0: Yeah. Um, well, to tell my truth, yeah. um, this episode <laughs> might end up being longer even than our last one. <laughs> We're, we're, this just means we're getting
1: better, right? <laughs> well, we're getting wiser. Something <laughs> we're showing up, right? It means we're showing yeah. up.
0: Um, but I think it also means that before our various devices lose battery, yeah, we, can... we should
1: call it quits. <sighs> yes, it come back good. into
0: the world of outside the the spiritual massage room. <laughs>
1: that's <laughs> um. <laughs> a good metaphor. Oh, well I hope everybody listening feels like they've sort of been been part of this. Um I
0: hope everyone drinks some cucumber water. Yeah. To, like,
1: yeah, drink some water, restore. take a nap. That was that's actually <laughs> basically what I said to everybody after the Sunday service after the election was like Dri- drink more water this week and like take a nap and yeah. be <laughs> right be gentle with yourselves because no matter yeah. how you voted or what you hoped for, like this has been a lot. And we're we're all human. So I say yeah. it again. Drink some water and take care of yourselves. Take care of each other too, right? Yep. Uh,
0: and in the meantime, let's have a month and then we'll talk again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hopefully it'll be uneventful. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, nothing that, will happen. That's
0: not a that's not a jinx at all. Yeah. Thanks.
1: It's okay. I'm knocking on this wood, wood stool next to it. Okay,
0: <laughs> knocking on particle board and nice. signing
1: off. Nice. Um,
0: and until next time, we will. Yeah, until next time. Yeah, have a good month. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW or for ways to get involved, visit us online at uucsw.org. All are welcome.